Six-Figure Developer Podcast, the podcast where we talk about new and exciting technologies, professional development, clean code, career advancement, and more. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. With us today is Tim Nootkins. Tim is the co-author and lead maintainer of Next.js and is the co-author of the MDX library for dynamic markdown documents. He has a passion for creating scalable applications and improving the developer experience. Welcome, Tim. Thanks. Hey, thanks for having me. Why don't you go ahead and tell our audience kind of how you got started in the industry and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so I um, started programming at around 15 or 16. I can't remember exactly. Um, and it was basically just building websites for my uh, family and uh, friends and all that. Um, and then eventually I basically started education in IT management, which is completely not software engineering. Um, and basically in the second year of that education, I had to do an internship. Uh, I was very fortunate to uh, get an internship at a um, development agency. So they mostly did like web development, uh, building websites, all that. Um, and I basically... Uh, stuck around there. Um, so I uh, started building websites, all that, uh, and eventually decided to hire me. Um, that turned out really well. Uh, so I um, started contributing to open source um, and eventually through working on open source, working on uh, like multiple projects from Vercel uh, as an open source contributor uh, in my free time. Uh, I eventually got hired to work full time on basically my hobby projects that I uh, was working on uh, at the time, which was Next. Um, and yeah, I've been been doing that ever since, uh, which is almost three years ago. Um, yeah, that's uh, the short uh, gist of it. That's pretty cool. Getting getting paid full time to work on your hobby projects is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So in your, your bio, it says that you're the lead maintainer of Next.js and co-author of the MDX library. What are what are those for? What are they used for? What do, what do people that know them know them for and, and are interested in and about? Yeah, so Next is a, um, a framework that is built on top of React, which is this technology that Facebook released, uh, I think, at least six or seven years ago, and uh, has since gotten like massive adoption in the JavaScript ecosystem. And Next is basically a uh, framework that allows you to build web applications and websites. And uh, it basically provides all the bits that React doesn't provide you because React is just a UI layer. So to render your, uh, like basically rendering the UI of the, the web application, but to actually build a full React app, you have to like set up a lot of other things like compilation through Webpack, which is a bundler, uh, doing uh, transforms on your code through Babel to make sure that it works in all browsers, uh, all that kind of things. Um, and this is a lot of setup that you have to do and know about and like know how to optimize um, 
know how to set up as well. Uh, and like all these tools combined are really like complicated to make work, make them work together well and, op- and like, um, uh, basically optimize for them, uh, as well as like all the code that you write has to be like split in different bundles and like you need to know how to do routing and all that. Uh, so next takes care of like all these missing pieces that, uh, you don't get out of the box of React basically. Uh, so it tries to put you as a developer or you as a development team into, uh, the pit of success, uh, as you say, basically. I consider myself a .NET developer, a web app developer, but with that, I've, of course, I've reached for JavaScript, whether it's vanilla JavaScript or jQuery yeah. or UE or React or Angular. So it seems like there's, there's, some, there's always some component of a JavaScript something piece that I'm working on. And more recently, I've been focusing mainly in React for front-end applications, uh, front-end to my .NET Core backend. With that, I, I typically reach for something like Create React App and the 60,000 packages that it brings in itself or the 60,000 yeah. files that it brings in. Is is Next like a Create React App or is it more than that? Is it different than that? Yeah, so Create React App was really designed as like a starting point for a React application. So what you get with Create React App is like you get some setup, but not everything. Like you don't get routing and uh, like pre-rendering, so like server rendering or statically generating content. Um, so it really helps you like get started with React really fast. But it's like it misses the pieces that uh, allow you to go to production really well. So basically, like code splitting by default. Uh, routing, like I said, um, doing a bunch of other optimizations. Um, and this is like where, where Next fills those gaps and also tries to provide you with a really good developer experience overall. Uh, so it makes it really easy to set up a React app with just Next. Uh, and then it allows you to go from like, oh, I want to like build my create React app type application, which is only client side rendered in the browser. Uh, but you can also go like to another page, which is then like server-side rendered or statically generated at build time. Uh, so it allows you to go like through the whole spectrum, basically, of all these different rendering targets and uh, build a React app with those. So with Next, since it's, I don't know, you, it's so it's built on top of the React library to provide those framework features. How different is the development uh, for someone who's familiar with something like Create React App? Is there a big learning curve or is it pretty simple? Uh, simple? Yeah, so um, basically what Next does is it tries to get out of your way in many cases. So when you get started, you basically, basically get a... Uh, minimal directory structure, which is you have a pages directory and in that pages directory, you create files and every file that you create there is a different route. So, say you create pages about the JS, uh, you automatically write that to slash about in your application. Then what is in that file is actually just the React component. So there's no specific Next.js logic there or anything. Uh, when you get started, it's just the React component. Then what you could do is you obviously want to like route between those routes, right? So say you might have like your about page and you link to your home page. Uh, so you create a pages index.js as well. 
and then you want to link between them. Uh, that's the point where you actually like import the Next.js router, so like Next link in this case, uh, which is a link component that then allows you to do client-side transitions to your homepage, for example. So then you say like href is slash, and it automatically becomes a, a route that is client-side transitioned uh, instead of like when you click on it, it goes like through the browser to that other uh, page. And then what Next can also do based on that is actually like optimize those route transitions by preloading uh, the JavaScript bundle that's needed for that page uh, when it's in the viewport, but also preload data if like the data is statically available, for example. Okay, so it does some kind of um, inspection of your component and goes, oh, it links to, to this page and that page and that page. Go ahead and load those, or, or at least you can tell it to go ahead and load those components and possibly any of the the information that those components would load. That's really cool. Uh, what about what about like route parameters? I mean, if it's if it's just a an about.js file, how do you say that? Oh, well, about needs um, an ID in order to work. Right. So say you have a um, the, the common example is like you have a block that has a dynamic slug that you need for to, to render those specific pages. So what you would do is you, you would create a page directory with in there a blog directory because uh, you can nest these routes. Uh, and then in that blog directory, you create a file that is in brackets. Uh, and then like between those brackets, you type slug, for example, which is the, the parameter that you want to capture. And uh, then inside of your React component, you actually get that slug as a dynamic parameter. So if you go to slash blog slash hello world, you get the hello world parameter inside of your React component. And then Next provides you with data fetching methods uh, in order to do server-side rendering or statically generated content. Okay, so the, the file name is actually the parameter that you want to receive or parameter or parameters that you want to receive? Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. Yeah, so it uh, it basically gives a really intuitive way of like looking at your complete route structure because uh, really the thing that you do is like you open up the pages directory and like any application built on Next, uh, even the the ones that you have never looked at before, and you actually immediately know what the route structure looks like because you can just see based on the directories like oh these routes exist and they need these parameters. So no surprises when you when you open up a, an application that maybe you haven't historically worked on before. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, on top of that, because they're based on pages, you basically get code splitting by default. Uh, so what this means is every single page that you create, so every single React component that you create inside of the pages directory that is routed to a route is code split. So this uh, bundle for like the about page, like if you import a very heavy NPM library in there, it's not going to affect the bundle size of like your index page uh, or any other page for that matter. And this helps with like basically, like if your application scales up to like say hundreds of pages, uh, you don't want to have like one team import like this very heavy library to, to make your use case work and then affect like the homepage of your website, which is just a marketing page, for example. So that is all built in by default. And uh, like generally when you get started with React and you build it completely custom, you have to be really aware of like all these different uh, pitfalls in order to 
like not make these mistakes and like ship your like basically the whole application to your homepage. So Next tries to help you and prevent that uh, from happening. Yeah, and it seems like the direction that is provided by JavaScript developers, by library developers, by React developers changes so frequently because we, we're learning so much, we're changing our minds, we're figuring out what works well, what doesn't work well, we're experimenting, we're learning, we're growing. I worked on an application that had a rather large React front end that was worked on by many different teams that had to coordinate those changes in those libraries and make sure that we weren't bringing in 37 different underscore packages or something like that. You mentioned that Next.js tries to stay out of your way, but, but it also helps you fall into the pit of success. Is it opinionated in the right way, in the, in the just correct way that, that doesn't get in your way, but makes it abundantly clear what, what is expected of you and, and what you can expect of the framework? Yeah, so uh, obviously that's super subjective uh, to the person you ask. But um, in my opinion, what we try to do is uh, basically try to get out of your way, but give you all the tools needed in order to achieve what you want to do. Uh, so what this means is like Next has a built-in router instead of like you having to find a router on the uh, on NPM or on the internet, uh, read like all these different articles in order to be able to like understand what you want to do. And then uh, basically you're attached to this rider forever and you have to like figure out like um, how to do certain things in inside of that scope. Uh, but with Next, we actually give you this rider by default, for example, and uh, we try to optimize it as uh, best as possible. Uh, and we do basically like because of uh, us having control over the rider, we can do all these like other optimizations, like the bundle splitting, for example, uh, so like code splitting, um, but also like just optimize uh, CSS, for example, like CSS loading or SAS loading and all that. Um, so really like everything ties together in a certain way. Um, but we try to get out of your like out of your way as much as possible. So like in the end, what we generally see is that people end up importing just a few of the next in libraries that you can use, like the public APIs. So like next link, for example, is like often you want to link to another page. So like that's being used. Um, and then the router itself, which you can like import as well. Um, but besides that, it's, it's like a very small API surface for your, for you as a developer. But then like in the background, a lot happens that you are like, you're aware of if you read the documentation, but it like tries to get out of your way and optimize as much as possible without you interfering and like configuring anything basically. Okay. So, so this is going to go a little deep, but one of the things that's common with larger applications, at least the applications that I've worked on is that you have uh, multiple teams, uh, like John said earlier, working on the same application. And one of the best ways to keep those teams from stepping on each other's toes is to, or well, it may not be the best way, but it's a way, um, is to break the application into multiple parts. So you might have uh, maybe an NPM package on your internal company server that has the admin section of the application, or you might have uh, another package that has the shopping section and another package that has the articles section. If a company was in the habit of doing that kind of thing, is there is there a way 
to get next to realize that this group of pages is in this package and they need to be at this uh, base route. Uh, let's say they were built with next in mind and they had their own pages folder. Each, each package does, right? And then, but you want to say, okay, well, the admin pages need to be at the base admin route. But then, you know, like their pages folder is just users, uh, profiles, you know, whatever. Is there a way to do that natively? Or is there a way that you could swap out uh, parts of Next.js to accomplish that? So there's basically multiple ways that uh, people generally solve this. Uh, like The very common way is that uh, you would end up creating a application like a monorepo basically and uh like if you want you could have your whole site split up by pages in one next application so this happens very commonly like uh basically a team ends up like specific teams are um basically have the responsibility for different pages but they're still all in the same pages directory and the nice thing about this is your dependencies are always like the same uh, it runs in the same application context and you can share any code between all the teams, right? Um, there's other cases where like some companies are basically like, oh, we're going to split off every team. They all have their own code base. They all have to maintain it themselves. Um, we don't want to like get any sharing between any teams because they could leak uh, something from another team that they're being, that they're building, right? Um, so there's like very large, this is generally speaking like Fortune 500 companies that just don't want to leak any of the new products that are building, for example, right? So what we see in those cases is you can actually have multiple next apps running on a uh, single domain through like setting a base pod, for example. And then what they would end up doing is they would deploy these, these like sort of like micro front ends, but not really. Uh, they would just deploy separate applications running on next uh, which is also supported so recently we introduced a so previously this was super uh well not super complicated but it, it took a bit of work to set up because you had to like change all your links and all that but recently in nextjs 9.5 we introduced a base pod option that allows you to just set i'm going to host this on slash admin and then every route is prefixed by slash admin and you don't have to set up anything else yourself anymore. Uh, so really, like we're we're still trying to cover this case better, um, but there are many ways to to go about it, basically. Okay. Yeah. So what what is the deployment story like? What how do you manage building, compiling, code splitting? Are there specific commands that developers need to know about and be aware of? Right. So uh, next is basically split up in three different commands. So the first is next dev, which is for your development. So you run that, you get uh, hot module replacement, React fast refresh, which is a specific feature uh, of React that we uh, built together with the Facebook team into next, um, which allows you to preserve state. So say you have um, some state inside of your component, you, you basically have tabs, for example, you click on one tab and that like sets the state, but then you make a change in your code and you would immediately see it reset to the first like initial value, uh, which is not uh, as productive as you could be. So fast refresh actually allows you to very deterministically 
save these values, uh, like the, the state basically between hot reloads. So every time you make a change, it's immediately reflected with the tab still being open, uh, that you had open before. Uh, so that's one of the things. So that's for development. Then for production build, uh, you basically have next build, which is building the application for production. And, there, and then there's next start, which allows you to start the production server. And then in terms of deploying, uh, for sale, the company behind uh, Next.js, uh, basically have a deployment platform that allows you to very easily deploy next apps, uh, which basically gets you uh, deployment previews on pull requests. Um, and then also uh, like every commit gets a separate deployment. So you can basically see every change you make and then show it to your colleagues. And then when that's merged to master or uh, the main branch, for example, it uh, is automatically put into production. And this is being used by very large companies and very small companies as well. Um, and it's basically the best place to host Next because we also built the framework. Uh, but you can definitely host Next on like any uh, Node.js deployment platform that you could think of. So that goes from like AWS EC2 to like DigitalOcean, etc. Um, those the, like Next works completely fine on those uh, platforms. So there's really no lock-in um, in, in this case. Like you can just deploy your next step anywhere. Uh, but if you deploy it on for sale, you get some like out of the box setup that is really like going to allow you to uh, work faster basically on your application. Yeah, and you mentioned that there are some some large companies out there using Next.js or some smaller companies, of course. Uh, some of the case studies that I saw on the website included Hulu and Marvel.com. Can you speak to what has that been like? Are you involved with helping those teams get up to speed or, or what has that been like? Yeah, so we're in touch with many uh, of the larger uh, companies that use Next uh, as they tend to reach out and uh, want support in some way. Uh, so that's definitely something that we help out with. Um, so in case of Hulu, for example, they they run basically like what we were talking about before, like there's multiple teams building out all these different services. And uh, they basically run basically their whole web property is running on next so this goes from the the home page to to basically uh their whole web player uh like where you watch tv uh where you watch series all that uh to like all their uh, faq pages their customer support like all that is running on next um in case of marvel like it's their main website that runs on next um and there's many other like really large like Alexa top 100 or Alexa top 1K uh, ranking sites. Uh, I think the biggest is one in uh, China, which is called QQ.com, which is larger than pretty much every other site in the world because it's like the fourth in uh, Alexa top 100, which is also running on Next, uh, which is, yeah, we're, we're seeing massive adoption from like really large companies, but also like the long tail of... Um, Smaller websites like my personal homepage or your personal homepage uh, is also running on Next. Uh, so it's really like interesting to see that basically the the framework can scale to like the needs of these really large companies, but also the needs of like smaller websites and like personal homepages and all that. 
Do you think that that has to do with the the ease of use, the the low barrier of entry, the the lack of pain in getting up and running quickly? Yeah, so I definitely think that it's uh, related to that you can basically like scale up the the pages concept to like hundreds of pages so without affecting like the pages that you built before. Uh so even if you look at the Vercel uh website itself and the dashboard uh that powers it uh like next was initially built to to power the for sale dashboard and the for sale dashboard is like over uh 300 pages or so and all of these are different types of ui uh, but they're all like fitting together nicely inside of this next step which is still a single next step which also powers our marketing pages our blog everything basically um and really, like, where next shines is that you can choose per page if you're going to make it static or dynamic or, uh, like, client-side rendered and all that. Yeah, and I think before we started recording, you mentioned that the newest version or the next version is, is 9.5, working on incremental static generation. Is that involved in this story as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the way that... Uh, basically, like, uh, let's do a recap. Like, you have static generation or server-side rendering. And static generation means you generate the page at build time, right? So you run next build, and this HTML page comes out, and that is served to your clients. Uh, the problem with that is that you can't scale this up to, like, hundreds of thousands of pages without affecting your build time. So running next build becomes slower as the more pages you add in this case, right? Um, then there is server-side rendering, which means for every user that comes in, like I go to the website, I get a sp- like special tailored response for like my request. Then you go to the website, you get the special tailored response, which could be the completely like completely same response, but it's just rendered every time. So you're basically like, burning CPU cycles on like generating the same outcome every time. Um, so what incremental static generation does, so there's basically two parts to it. The first is it allows you to generate static files on demand. So you go to a page that hasn't been statically generated, but the developer already knows that it can be cached in a certain way. Um, so it can be cached for like one second or 10 seconds or something like that. Uh, in that case, it will serve you a, a response. And then every user after that gets a statically generated response that you got before. Then the other part is, how do I get these statically generated pages to update, right? Like I make some changes in my CMS, like WordPress or like any hosted CMS that you could think of. And I need to then rebuild my site, right? Like I need to run next build again. But this is really like counterintuitive because you you basically then have to rebuild like the complete site, like every single page that was already generated and didn't change. So what incremental static generation allows you to do is basically regenerate that single file when new user comes to the website. And the way that that works is that it uses the Stillwater Validate semantics which is this HTTP uh, header directive that allows you to, like, say you go to a website and the timeout you set, like one second, for example, has expired. 
it will go and uh, serve you a stale response. So basically the previously generated response. And then uh, in the background, like outside of the user's like re request and response uh, cycle, it starts generating the, the new response. And this new response is then sent to every user that comes after you as the user that triggers the regeneration. So what's good about that is that you don't get this uh, issue where you get a, uh, like for example, a really high load on, on your web server. Like thousands of people are on your uh, like website. They all refresh at the same time and they all get this uh, like load for generating that uh, that one page if the timeout was uh, was expired, uh, but now you get the maximum of one regeneration uh, across like all these thousands of users that are requesting a website because they would get a still response until the new response is ready, uh, which is generally what you want if like your content is not super uh, like volatile and in the sense that like it changes every like sub uh, sub millisecond or something like that um because if it's if it can be uh updated more than once uh or like if it doesn't update more than once per second you can cache it for one second at most hope that makes sense <laughs> it's it's slightly hard to gasp in the oh region. yeah yeah if anyone wanted to learn more about next uh and possibly start using it for their work what are some resources you could provide? So we have this built-in uh, built learn course. So if you go to nextjs.org slash learn, you can basically get started with, like, all these concepts are explained in this very uh, interactive tutorial for you. So what happens is you, you go to the website, you get this very short, like, explainer, basically, about, like, what next is. And then you get, go through the course, like, lesson by lesson, and you get points uh, for every lesson that you complete, uh, which triggers you to like keep going until you complete the whole uh, uh, course. And then like after you've done that, you know pretty much everything there is to know about like all the APIs that you can, can uh, use to build a Next.js application. So that's all built in. And then uh, the documentation itself is like a separate section on the website, which you can also read through and has like very detailed guides on like what static generation is for the service that rendering and all that. Perfect. And before we start to wrap up here, I wonder if you might have any advice to those looking to level up their career, whether it's just getting started or just looking to the future, because it's not often that that you can find a, a company that's willing to to pay you for your own personal projects. Yeah, for me, it was uh, definitely like I. I just got started in contributing to open source and uh, it was like, even at the time where Forcell wasn't hiring at all. Um, and there were just a small company out of uh, San Francisco with like 10 people working for them. Um, and I basically just started working on next cause I found it really interesting. I was doing PHP stuff, uh, basically working in uh, PHP mostly. Um, want to learn more about JavaScript, all that. Um, and I just found it super interesting to help out people, like fix bugs that were reported, all that. Um, and eventually, like a year later, uh, Guillermo, uh, which is the CEO of Forcell, um, he uh, hired me to work on Next full time. So, like, it's really like a story of 
like making your own luck almost, but uh, I just, I wasn't really like, my intention wasn't to get hired to work on this. Uh, it was just like, this is a fun hobby project. Um, I'm going to work on it a lot because I find it really interesting. I was learning just tons, uh, helping other people and also like just diving into the code base. Um, cause Nexus built on top of all these like compiler, uh, compilers and bundlers and all that, uh, which I had no experience with. Um, and eventually it just like works out. So <laughs> I don't really have advice on like what to do, like, like what is the best way to, to get hired to work on open source or, an, source or anything, but. Uh, from my experience, just like doing what you enjoy, working on open source is, is really nice. It's really rewarding. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Is there any social media accounts that, uh, you would want to share in case somebody wanted to uh, reach out and, uh, either contact you to about Next.js or, uh, just follow you so that they can get new updates? Yeah, so I'm very active on Twitter, uh, where you can find me. Uh, I, I'm sure that you'll put it in the show notes. It's my full name uh, attached to each other. Um, very simple to find in, in that case. Um, and besides that, uh, we have a blog for Next, which is Next.org's blog, which always has uh, the latest releases and all that. Uh, if you have any questions, you can go to GitHub. Uh, dot com slash for sale slash next yes slash discussions which is our github discussions which uh is basically a community platform that github is building that allows you to uh ask questions or ask for help um just discuss with other contributors other uh people using next uh which is tremendously helpful if you're like starting out um and uh, we're launching a conference uh, very soon. Uh, like, if you're interested in that, it's completely free. Um, you can find it on nexus.org/conf. Um, already has over twenty-five thousand uh, signups so far. Oh wow! Uh, as I checked this morning, so um, yeah, it's going to be a really uh, fun event, and uh, looking forward to it. What's the time frame for the conference? It's uh, on the 27th of October, so slightly over two months uh, from now. All right, perfect. Well, thank you, Tim. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Totally. This was very fun. That was Tim Newtkins. Tim is the co-author and lead maintainer of Next.js and is the co-author of the MDX library for dynamic markdown documents. He has a passion for creating scalable applications and improving the developer experience. If you like this episode, please like, rate, and review on iTunes. Find show notes, blog posts, and more at sixfiguredev.com. And catch us live each week on Twitch, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at SixFigureDev. This has been another episode of the Six Figure Developer Podcast, helping others reach their potential. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. 